Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. I'm Cody Goff. Today, you learn about how we could save the planet by making our cities glow in the dark, why holes feel larger with your tongue than with your finger, and the maximum sound volume on Earth. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Imagine walking around your neighborhood at night. But instead of bright streetlights, the streets are filled with soft, ambient light glowing from buildings and sidewalks and roads. It might seem like a stretch, but a group of scientists is developing a series of new materials that could light our cities at night using luminescent materials rather than light sources. Now, this is not just about aesthetics, although it would look cool. It's also good for energy efficiency. Lighting is responsible for about 20% of global energy use. Reducing that energy usage would go a long way in helping combat climate change. The scientists have been studying luminescent materials for over four centuries. Instead of emitting heat immediately, these materials trap the energy of photons that hit it and then re-emit them later as visible light. The first luminescent material was created in 1603 by Vincenzo Castiarolo when he smelted some stones he found on Mount Paderno, Italy, and found they would glow after being exposed to sunlight. Since then, scientists have found lots of other luminescent materials. There are 250 that we know of, and most of the materials glow blue or green, but there are a few that could give us a rainbow of options like yellow, orange, and red. Scientists are still studying their properties, and they found a bunch of promising new materials that could be used in buildings and city infrastructure. For example, strontium aluminate can be made into paint that glows for hours after being exposed to light. Now, there is a challenge there, though. I mean, even if the materials are charged by the sun during the day, they would fade before the sun came up the next morning. Better materials that glow longer will help, but we might have to charge them through the night using shorter bursts of artificial light. The heat that's re-emitted by cities is also a problem, especially as global temperatures increase. Cities are on average about 8 degrees Celsius warmer than the countryside around them. That means that even more energy needs to be used in order to cool those buildings down. So there's a vicious cycle of energy that just gets wasted. Cool materials that are light reflective help cause less of the heat to be absorbed, but scientists think that luminescent materials can do an even better job of absorbing heat and making the buildings cooler. Instead of just bouncing the energy off of the materials back into the air, it transfers energy out. Adding luminescent materials to concrete made the air temperature around them cooler by over 3 degrees. Not bad. Scientists hope to see luminescent materials used in cities soon, and this research is a shining example of how we might remake our cities in the future. Or should I say, glowing example. Have you ever bitten the inside of your mouth so hard that you were afraid the wound would never heal? The gash probably felt huge when you explored it with your tongue, but there's a good chance it didn't seem so bad when you looked in the mirror or felt around with your fingers. Well, it turns out that our tongues reliably overestimate the size of 
holes. Researchers probing the question points to the tongue's flexibility as a key factor. This phenomenon is called the oral size illusion, and researchers have known about it for decades. In 1988, researchers brought 30 participants into a lab, blindfolded them, and gave each of them two contraptions studded with dozens of different sized holes. They were told to feel the holes on one contraption with their fingers and holes on the other contraption with their tongues. Their task was to match holes that were the same size. It turns out they were pretty awful at this, at least for the holes that were smaller than one centimeter in diameter. That's about three-eighths of an inch. They overestimated the size of the small holes they felt with their tongues. Weird, right? So fast forward three decades and a different set of researchers are asking a new question. What's the deal with this? Why? Several hypotheses had sprouted up to explain the illusion, so they conducted several rounds of experiments to compare those explanations. But they added a twist. In addition to tongues and fingers, here the researchers also added big toes into the mix. Experts had proposed two types of explanations for the oral size illusion. So-called lower-level explanations pointed to the physical differences between tongues and fingers. Maybe the illusion happens because tongues feel in higher resolution than fingers. Or maybe it's because the tongue is more pliable. And then there's so-called higher-level explanations that suppose the answer lies in the brain. Maybe our brains are wired to assess the size openings based on how easily our bodies, or parts of them, can fit through them. The lower-level explanations focus on how information gets into our bodies, while the higher-level explanations are interested in how our brains process it. Well, after running five tedious rounds of experiments, researchers concluded that the lower-level explanations did a way better job at explaining the results than the higher-level ones. The evidence clearly shows that the most important factor in the oral size illusion is how closely the surface of the body is able to bend in and around the perimeter of the hole. The tongue is a flexible muscle covered with a mucous membrane. It can really get in there and gather a lot of information. On the other hand, the fingers and toes are bones covered in muscle, fascia, and skin. Those surfaces are less pliable than the tongue, they collect less information, and that leads to more accurate measurement. So yes, less information leads to a more accurate measurement. It's kind of a paradox, or whatever it is. It's a whole lot of fun. When we measure sound volume, we tend to think about it in terms of decibels. The more decibels, the louder something is. But have you ever wondered how high that decibel scale goes? Believe it or not, there is a maximum sound volume on Earth. Before I get to that, though, first let's talk about what sound is and how we measure it. Sound is basically a pressure wave traveling through something physical, like water or air. That pressure wave causes molecules to rhythmically push and pull on each other, and that in turn does the same to your eardrums. So volume, or loudness, is just a measure of how powerful that pushing and pulling is. The decibel scale tells us how much energy a sound wave has. A normal conversation might clock in at 50 decibels, while your garbage disposal is around 80. At 110 decibels, sound becomes pretty uncomfortably loud. 
This rapid increase in intensity, by the way, has to do with the fact that the scale is logarithmic, not linear. So that means that an increase of 10 decibels from 10 to 20 isn't a doubling in volume, it's a tenfold increase. The loudest natural sound ever recorded was the eruption of the volcano Krakatoa in 1883, which was measured at 172 decibels from 100 miles away. By the way, 130 decibels is typically referred to as the threshold of pain. So be thankful you weren't around for that one. Theoretically, the scale has no upper limit, but here on Earth, it does have a physical one, 194 decibels. At that volume, the waves are creating a complete vacuum between themselves, essentially producing a natural sound ceiling. Now, technically, louder sounds are possible, but they're distorted. You know how screaming into a microphone overloads the mic and causes distortion? Which I'm not going to do because it's pretty painful, honestly, to listen to, even if I turn down the volume. Well, anyway, the atmosphere does the same distortion-like thing. It just can't handle sounds that loud. At that high of a level, you end up with more of a shockwave and less of a sound wave. But setting aside that technicality, there are a couple times we've pushed past that 194 decibel barrier that are worth mentioning. The loudest sound ever accurately recorded was a pressure wave produced by the launch of a Saturn V rocket. Its volume was recorded at 204 decibels. Perhaps the loudest, strongest pressure wave ever produced came from the largest ever bomb explosion, the Tsar Bomba which, according to the most reliable estimates, likely produced a Zarboomba, that is, a 224-decibel shockwave. That bomb could have killed with sound alone. Phew. And they say looks can kill. Let's recap what we learned today to wrap up, starting with the fact that maybe we can save the planet by making cities glow in the dark. Luminescent materials trap the photons that hit them, then re-emit those photons later as visible light. New luminescent materials could even do a better job of absorbing heat to make buildings cooler so we'd get energy savings all around. Not to mention, who doesn't want a city that looks like an EDM festival? I mean, come on, let's set up some speakers, some loudspeakers on every street corner, pump in some Big Wild, some Grizz, Sylvan Esso, little Paul Van Dyke, some Odessa, it's seven lions in there. That's what I'm talking about. Let's go, dude. Maybe that's what I'll do. Maybe after Curiosity Daily, I won't do a Final Fantasy XIV podcast. Maybe I'll just interview EDM artists on Giveo. Just talk to them about, about their process. Oh, it's going to be so good. That'd be pretty fun. I'd probably have to listen to more EDM, but uh, that'd be fun. I have great stories about like pretty much every EDM show I've ever been to. Actually, one of my first radio interviews that I ever was part of there was a guest that was talking about ticket stubs. He had like a website where you could upload ticket stubs because some people are really into, into that and the memories. And I remembered, I distinctly remember, just like 12 or 13 years ago, he said, you remember where you were at every concert you've ever been to. And I don't know if he just primed me to believe that or if this is actually universal or that relatable. But for me, I noticed I was like, that's 100% true. I could think back on any show I've ever been to and tell you exactly where I was standing or sitting. It's like a cool thing about concerts. Concerts are just such a great way to build memories. 
Like I was in Mexico City for a business trip one time. I was conducting uh, some training sessions on social media for this global management consulting firm. And I stayed there for a couple of days. And I remember in the morning on Saturday, I stayed an extra night. The morning I went to Teotihuacan, which was amazing. Like this like ancient city or what was left of it. So cool. And then that night, just total random happenstance, there was an EDM festival and Paul Van Dyke was headlining. Paul Van Dyke, just so good, so good. So I went to that. I got to tell you, my memories of that EDM show are about as vivid as my memories of going to Teotihuacan, right? Like this like monumental, amazing, historic site. Concerts just leave an impression. Man, that was a good show. If you ever have a chance to see Paul Van Dyke, I'm telling you, that's the stuff right there. But I, I got to say, though, I do put Big Wild in the list of top five shows I've been to with my wife. Easy, easy. Big Wild is so good. And after we went to that show, a lot of Big Wild started appearing on a certain yoga instructor I know's Pilates playlists. So pretty good workout music also. Just saying. And while we're on the topic of telling stories about EDM shows that I've been to, because it's my last week and I can do that, uh, my other... One of my other best, worst memories of a show was Odessa. So we saw Odessa on the south side of Chicago at this really cool venue. And my wife and I went. We were, I think, in our 30s at that point. Everyone there was in their 20s. Okay, fine. We're, we were way older than everybody. But I got these VIP tickets, right? And supposedly the benefit is you get like, you got like custom drumsticks, Vic drumsticks that were branded Odessa. And you got to enter the venue an hour early. I'm like, okay, well, that'll ensure that we get a good spot on the floor and stuff. Not realizing that really what that entailed is we got to stand there for a full hour before the doors opened. Then we got to stand there for another full hour waiting for the opening act to come on. Then the opening act came on. Then we had to wait for a break. We literally were standing there for four plus hours before Odessa came on. So not the best logistical choice. But I, the evening was saved for me because I bought both of our VIP tickets, right? So we each got a pair of Vic drumsticks and we're taking the train on the way back because we were still in downtown Chicago. We're on the red line and this guy comes up to me and he's like, hey, hey, man, can I buy one of those pairs of drumsticks? And I've got, you know, the two pairs of drumsticks sticking out of my pocket. And I just looked at him immediately and I was just like, how much? Just to kind of mess with him. And he is, he just like froze for a second. He's like, uh, 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 I don't know. I don't know. And I go, you know what? I'm kidding, man. Here, just take them. You can just have a pair. And the guy was like over the moon. All his friends were there like, no, no, no. And I was just like, no, no, no. I don't need two pairs of drumsticks. Come on. It was a great show. Like we're all a big community. This is really fun. And I gave him the drumsticks and I got like cheered off the train. It was so hardcore. So <laughs> that kind of saved the evening. I think we still got home and my wife turned to me and was just like, why were we standing that long? I had no good answer to that. But, you know, lessons were learned and I made some guys night and that felt good. So, you know, there's always ways to salvage evenings when they go a little bit awry. But those are some of the most fun evenings, right? The ones that go a little bit awry, not total train wrecks awry, but like a little bit awry. It's probably the most times you've heard somebody say awry in that quick of a succession. Got to come up with a better word. What if we said that it was a bit of a decoupage? That's not what that word means, but I love saying the word decoupage and just using it as a catch-all for any word I can't think of. Remember that, maybe it'll come into play later. 
Are we doing an episode of Curiosity Daily? I should probably keep talking about the stuff we learned today. So, hey, let's uh, talk about the fact that we learned about the oral size illusion, which is the name for the fact that holes feel bigger with your tongue than they do with your finger. There have been lots of theories as to why this is, but it seems that the most important factor is how closely the surface of the body is able to bend in and around the outside of the hole. The tongue is more flexible than a finger or toe, so it can really get in there and collect information. But paradoxically, a finger or toe can measure more accurately because it collects less information. Weird, right? It's kind of like a paradox. Or, you know, a decoupage. This story just makes me wonder if Ashley's going to do an episode of Taboo Science about tongues. I know she did an episode on head transplants, which I guess the tongue is part of the head, but... Yeah, I got to check out our podcast feed and refresh my memory. Taboo Science, great podcast. Anyway, we also learned that a sound on Earth has a physical limit of 194 decibels. The loudness of a sound is based on the difference between the size of the amplitude of the waves and ambient air pressure. At 194 decibels, the waves are essentially creating a complete vacuum between themselves. In fun fact, the loudest sound we know of is mercifully quite far from Earth. The black hole at the center of the Perseus cluster is surrounded by a thick enough layer of gases to allow a sound wave to propagate. So periodically, the black hole emits a sound that's basically a B-flat that's 57 octaves below middle C. And it carries roughly the energy of 100 million exploding stars. You thought Zed's dead drops hard. And one last thing before I close today's episode. It's not about EDM, I promise. I don't know if you noticed this, but today's episode featured stories about loud sounds. Hear. Your tongue and touch. Feel. And forward thinking, glow-in-the-dark technology. Think. So I hope today's episode inspires you to pause and truly hear, feel, Think for yourself. Today's writers were Brianna Brownell, Grant Curran, and Cameron Duke. Curiosity Daily is distributed by Discovery. Hear, feel, think, and join us again next time to learn something new in just a few minutes. Until then, stay curious. 